G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Talking about great expectations. There are so many difficult things happening right now, putting many under intense pressure some have never experienced before. There are some things that we're equipped to handle, but we can't control every situation in our lives. COVID fears, loss of work, strained relationships, and the uncertainty. Uh, well, these might mean we need to dig a little deeper uh, to find those sorts of resources that can get us through. We're all having these, uh, uh, we all have certain expectations of others and of ourselves when things get hard. And no doubt it's easy in those circumstances to blame God for things that seem to be out of our control. Well, taking responsibility for our own actions is always important and always, or sometimes, a measure of our own maturity. So to be realistic, we should take responsibility for things we can control and perhaps not the things we can't control. Our special guest today says handling hard times starts with our own choices. Once we have the realisation that we make choices each and every day about our attitude, our behaviours, about how we treat others and how we treat ourselves, our lives can begin to change for the better. Wendy Burns is back with us today, the author of Remarkable You, and she's worked through her own issues around great expectations on her journey to discover hope within. Wendy Burns is a consultant and coach an executive director on the John Maxwell team, having joined the John Maxwell University. Wendy is joining us from Darwin today in the Northern Territory. Wendy, welcome back to 2020. Oh, hello, Neil, and, and thank you so much for having me back with you today. It's always exciting to be on these segments. Wendy, let's talk expectations. And when we do, of course, there's lots of different dimensions here. It's sort of complicated when you think of all the dimensions. But what are your thoughts when, when that comes to mind? We're talking great expectations. Uh, this is an incredibly good subject to discuss and, and timely. And, and it came about on our last call. We had a caller uh, ring in and, and talk about the expectations that had been placed on him. And I thought it's, you know, it's great to be able to discuss this because when we look at the different dimensions, there's the expectations we have on ourselves, right? We can put really high expectations on ourselves that we will be more than better than better. Uh, expectations that we can place on others, the expectations others place in on us. And then we have God's expectations on us. And um, other than God's expectations on us, some of the other expectations can be extremely unrealistic. And they can be all based on performance, like expectations are performance-based, really, in so many ways. So I think we can trip ourselves up and trip others up when we start to impose expectations 
uh, on ourselves and on others. Unrealistic expectations because, Neil, as we know, there are good things we should have expectations of, you know, just your last call or our finances. But um, when we're unrealistic, I think that's where things can go uh, pear-shaped, dare I say. Well, expectations can be good and bad, and uh, they could be good and bad at the same time almost, uh, depending on the relationship of the person who's got expectations of you, because they might think their expectations of you are good, you might be thinking they're bad. I mean, there's all sorts of good and bad we can see in all of this. Oh, absolutely. And that, that's, let's, let's narrow it down and just talk about uh, expectations in a family, for example. And that was our last caller uh, last time I was on. I think his name was Steve. He talked about the expectations that have been placed on him as a father, as a husband, uh, a, as a church member. And he felt overwhelmed because for, for what he was sharing and what, where I, I think is a good place to start is a performance base. When we start to place expectations on somebody that is performing based without actually having a conversation about uh, what those expectations are in you know in relationship husband and wife um, you know you're you've got strengths I've got strengths so let's talk about uh, the expectations of you working in your strength me working in my strength and and we set really clear good healthy expectations I think it's when we set expectations that are not healthy where we try to control somebody else's behavior and we judge them by whether they measure up to our expectations and oh gosh Neil I don't know about you but I know I've done that in the past <laughs> I've done that to other people set them up this is my expectation I'm a, I'm a high d personality so you know I'm I've got quite high expectations but I have to be very careful that I don't impose those on somebody else because this all works in the workplace uh, significantly too, bosses and employees. And you might assume that the boss will have high expectations of employees, but then you might expect that employees might have high expectations of their boss too, and that might look different depending on your perspective. Oh, that, that's perhaps that's another dimension of expectation. And, and that's I've been doing some work with some CEOs based on this, and we can have uh, high expectations on our staff, but unless we're really clear and have defined um, strategies for them to be able to meet those expectations and that our staff member actually understands what those expectations look like, we again can set them up to fail. So there's a, there's a really clear theme in this. This is about clarity, clarity of expectation, understanding what it means, and um, having a conversation, whether it's an employee, employee, you know, boss, staff member, husband, wife, whatever that situation is, that the person understands what that expectation is, that, they, that you understand their understanding of that. Wow. I think we've touched on something very practical and very powerful early on in our conversation if we're talking great expectations the idea of mutually discovering those expectations and you do that by way of a conversation or some sort of process and whether that's as you say between a husband and wife or the boss or the and the employee uh, fathers husbands church members the idea of discovering those expectations together there's something in a process there that's going to help us along the way no doubt oh there is and i love the process of you know when we set expectations with our team uh we we you know we anticipate um that they'll achieve them and we set that good intention we build a focus we give them opportunity to be able to achieve it because we make sure they've got um 
what they need to deliver. Um, and then we encourage them to take the action. And then we come back to that belief again. So when somebody believes, if somebody sets an expectation for me, um, if they believe that I can do it, I'm already halfway there. Like if somebody believes enough in me that I can achieve something they've asked me to do, then I will believe that I can do it as well. There's so many different dimensions to this word expectation. Wendy, in the workplace, we tend to want to write those things down. And, of course, that all depends on your workplace too. But if you work in an office environment, uh, you know, somebody's got some sort of a job description for you and uh, you write those things down. At home and in other circumstances, say at church, we tend not to write those things down. Are we falling short if we, if we don't somehow rather have something written down about what expectations are? Um, I think there's some people that I've spoken to that do have those family type meetings where they do um, keep, you know, write things down, what's expected, what's not. But it all starts with a conversation, whether it's in the church, whether it's in the family, making sure that the other party really understands what they're hearing. So some of us hear, some of us like learn by hearing, some of us learn by reading, some of us need it written. But it's about the relationship and understanding, okay, Neil, if I place these expectations on you, do you know what I mean by that? Do you understand uh, what I'm expecting of you? So it's in the understanding of expectations that I think is really key and and isn't that everything though making sure we we don't set people up to fail that we have good relationship and conversation across all of those fields whether it's in the workplace and we know that's not always perfect and in the home and we know that's not always perfect Uh, even within the church sometimes sadly that's not always perfect and then we have that fourth expectation Neil that we haven't touched on yet and that's the expectations we place on ourselves This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Wendy Burns is our guest. Wendy is the author of Remarkable You and she's also a consultant and a coach. We're talking great expectations. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. You know, we're going to start talking about expectations here of ourselves, Wendy. Uh, I can't help thinking that without a godly foundation, even the discussion about expectations of ourselves may be lacking. But let's talk about ourselves and we'll come back and see where a godly uh, influence might be in that. But when we're talking about having self-expectations, the dangers are we'll aim too high and inevitable failure or too low, uh, not even Mm -hmm. aspiring to anything. What are your thoughts here about the expectations we have of ourselves? Mm, yeah, and that, that's a great point, Neil. You know, when we aim too high, we can feel like we failed. But sometimes I feel like I want to aim high, but I'm okay to fail forward. If I don't get it, at least I've set myself a benchmark uh, to work towards. And why do I say that? I believe ex- expectations determine the effort that we put in. So I'm talking about ourselves. You know, we'll put the others aside for a moment. For example... For, for me to come on with you today, I needed to come prepared. If I hadn't prepared myself, I would feel like I failed. So uh, for me, you know, I always want to be prepared to be able to meet uh, the expectation that's placed on me. And I, so for me, I make a, 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 an expectation on myself that I'll set the time aside to prepare. So I make some choices that will enable me to deliver what uh, I'm required to deliver. 
I believe that's a good expectation. When we place expectations on ourselves that are unrealistic, that are unreachable, number one, that we will be perfect, that we will be perfect in everything we do, that we have no room for mistakes or missteps, as I like to call them, that's an unrealistic expectation because you know we, we're all perfectly imperfect uh, until we get to heaven that's when we become perfect right so we don't always get it right um, but when we make some good choices and we set some expectations on ourselves placed on our purpose come back to the purpose and the calling that God has placed on our life that enables us to to get a little bit more clarity about well so what are the expectations required of me to walk in that um the idea of aiming too low is the other extreme, Wendy. If you perhaps aim too low, you have no real expectation at all. Perhaps it's because no one ever encouraged you to have some level of higher expectation. Any thoughts for the person who yeah. may be thinking, well, I just drift along, I just go with the flow, I don't have any expectations of myself or others either? Yeah, and that's another great question because there's so many that do feel that way. But you know what? When we wait for somebody else to encourage us and to tell us we're worthy of having an expectation of achieving something, of doing something, uh, we may wait forever and nothing will come. This is about self-choices. So what you're talking about there is uh, self-leadership. Being, and you, you opened with that, being responsible for yourself and being responsible for choices. So starting with one step. So if you have no expectations of yourself, but you think after this call today, so what can I do? What's one small step that I can do that will take me a step further? Maybe it's in my career or my life or my family. What's one thing I, I can do? What's one expectation, a real healthy expectation that I can place on myself. And so we're talking about stretching ourselves. You know, in the John Maxwell world, we call it the law of the rubber band. So we stretch ourselves out of our comfort zone to achieve something a little bit more, a little bit further. And that's how we grow. And that's how my life story came about, daily stretching. And if we have these low expectations, uh, perhaps that's because we're reliant on others. You might be reliant on the government for a welfare check. <laughs> or you might be thinking, I just drift along because, you know, one day I'm going to inherit my parents' uh, uh, wealth and, uh, and what they've got set aside because, hey, they've done well, I don't have to worry myself. Uh, what are your thoughts here for that sort of uh, low-level expectation? That's a... You know, well, I would go back to that and say, well, what do you feel God, if you're, if you're a Christian, what do you feel God is saying to you about those thoughts and those expectations? Because I think it's really healthy to have expectations that we will, you know, that good, better, best principle that, you know, we can be good, but we can be better and we can be best. So, you know, setting yourself something to do something. Otherwise, you're right, you just drift through life. And and that, that leads me into a topic that we probably don't want to go down, but on legacy, how do we create something? for those that come behind us or how do we set that example for those in our sphere of influence our family our friends if we have low expectations on ourselves if we don't do anything to um, grow ourselves or to contribute in some form we set an example for those around us that that's the way of life and I guess when we talk about expectations relying on others, we might be thinking about a financial security, but there's more to life than just a financial security. Let's come back to this foundation that will be a part of expectations no matter what dimension we're talking about, the idea of God. 
And yes. uh, we might think, and look, I wasn't prepared to talk uh, into this and ask this sort of question, but the idea that we look at the, say, the Old Testament of the Bible, uh, God first sets up a covenant with Abraham and the covenant that he has with the children of Israel uh, has the expectations that he has of the children of Israel and also sets out the expectations that the children of Israel ought to have of God. Uh, The idea that there would be blessings and cursings that would be part of a covenant the good things that will happen if you rise to the occasion, the bad things will, that will happen if you are disobedient to these instances in the covenant. Now, I'm not sure of your theology on all of this, but the idea that there is covenant between God and his people, the old covenant and the new covenant, expectations that God has of us and expectations that we can have of God, this sort of thing sets out the ideal of having a, a, a template for all these other areas of expectations. What are your thoughts here, Wendy? Oh, look, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that, Neil. You know, I, I googled this morning, you know, what does the Bible say about expectations? I encourage your listeners to do that. The scriptures that come up that how God sets us up with the expectations of our relationship with him of what to do and what not to do we only have to look at the commandments and that and I'm not a bible scholar so you know I'm not I'm not going down that road but I know for me personally that you know my expectation is I feel God's expectation of me is to be in relationship with him to walk with him on a daily basis you know to to do good and not and not harm uh, to be truthful and honest so you know there's so many things you know that covenant that we have when we make that decision uh, to follow Jesus it doesn't mean then we can do whatever we want sadly some people do think that but you know that's not the case God has expectations on us to lean into him to have relationship with him and you know I love the scripture in Matthew uh, 22 or 22 I think it is is love of the Lord your God with all your your heart and with all your soul with all your strength um, and love it, you know, your neighbour as yourself. I mean, that's the start of a great expectation, isn't it? Uh, fabulous stuff. And uh, while you say, you know, I'm not a Bible scholar, let's, you know, not get into deep things with, say, the commandments. Well, uh, they'll look at those Ten Commandments important because, in actual mm-hmm. fact, uh, they set out some fabulous expectations. And exactly. uh, listeners do well to look at those, you know, worship only God and no other. Don't make anything an idol before God. Don't lie, don't steal, don't murder, don't commit adultery. Honour your mother and father. Uh, don't misuse the name of God. Remember the Sabbath Keep a day keep a, by keeping it holy and resting. And do not covet what others have. I mean, if you're saying, what are the practical expectations? Uh, they've been there uh, through uh, all those generations back to the Old Testament. So... Ten Commandments that still survive today as expectations that we might have in an alignment with the character of God. You can't ignore those. It's very, very practical and very plain, Wendy. Oh, absolutely. And you know, Neil, that I teach on values-based leadership. They're the values, right? They're the values, the values that we live by. And if, if if we're true to those, we're setting ourselves up, and I often call them guardrails, guardrails to protect us in our journey of life. So, you know, when we've got these guardrails, we know the expectation God has on us. That enables us to have a a much healthier, and we don't always get it right because we're not perfect, but a healthier sense of expectation on ourselves and expectation on others. But everything starts with us, right? 
you know it's you know it starts with us as we lead ourselves because when we do that we're in a position to make better choices to uh to look at our behavior to look at our attitude and you know we don't get it right but we can come back before god and ask him to help us get it right next time so that's what i talk about when i talk about failing failing forward you know we don't always get it right but when we do fail forward we can get back up and keep going (laughs) wonderful stuff hey just to reflect on 10 commandments for a moment as the expectations that God has for us there are some people who just will mock and laugh at the idea of Ten Commandments thinking that somehow or other those things are a you know an imposition on you and oh you want to be free from those well just to just to touch on some things here about expectations do not lie you mean you want people to just feel free to lie to you do not steal you mean you want someone to come and steal your car and all your possessions from your house Do not murder. You mean you want people to feel like they could be murdering you? Do not commit adultery. You mean you want someone to come and cheat with your wife or your husband? Uh, You know, these are sorts of things we say, Ten Commandments God gives us so that they are for our well-being. And, uh, and of course, even down to to the idea of, you know, do not covet what others have. I mean, it's a biblical Mm. principle, this idea of owning private property. What a wonderful, wonderful way that God has given to us practical expectations. And those are the sorts of things that become part of us as we align with who Jesus Christ is. Uh, Wendy's book is called Remarkable You. There is a website called remarkableyou.com.au. Wendy, let's talk through just some of these really serious things, as I've been saying there in that introduction, just reiterating the seriousness that some people are going through very, very hard times right now, especially Mm -hmm. mindful of those who are in lockdown situations and uh, feeling that cabin fever, wondering if anyone cares, thinking life has taken a dreadful turn for the worst, and some even managing to blame God in all of that circumstance. What are your thoughts here about the difficult situations that some people find themselves in right now as we speak? Uh, Neil, absolutely. We have got people all over Australia, all over the world, uh, really. But, you know, let's just focus here on Australia that are in incredibly difficult situations, some losing family, so many in lockdown, and some feeling incredibly hopeless because they can't see a way out you know you only have to watch the media every day I'm not not this media right not vision but you watch the reports every day and and um you know we're hearing people say there's no way out of this how will we get out of it uh and and we can't keep our focus on that what we need to do in these incredibly difficult situations is start to think about you know well we can't control the stuff outside of our home. What can we control within ourselves? And and it is a really dark place to be in, you know. And and you know, can I just share? I, I used to be in that dark place. I, I sat and, and often, even without lockdown, we can sit in a dark place and nobody know that we're in that dark place, Neil. And we can be even considering that the only way out is to end our life because it's all too hard. That's how serious some of this can come, can become, and, and that's where I was. I sat in church, and I was still contemplating suicide, and nobody around me knew that, because we tend to keep that within ourselves. We don't share it, which is the most dangerous thing that we can do. So for those that you know that are in sitting in this sense of hopelessness, how will it get better? You know, finances are at, at, at the limit. What do I do? We have to reach out for help. You know, number one, we start with God. 
crying out to God. I know I cried out on my knees on my lounge room floor when I was ready to commit suicide. And that was the turning point for me. But literally, I had no other. My plan was to take my life. And it was when I gave up and gave it all to God that I gave him room to move because what I was doing was trying to control what I, what was going on around me. But what I needed to do was control what I could do. And that was reach out to God in that place. Great expectations. Some will be saying uh, we've been talking about the sorts of expectations we might have of ourselves and of others. Uh, let's perhaps talk for a few moments about what we ought to expect from God uh, in all of this. Because if people are feeling as though God has abandoned them, we perhaps need to come back to expectations that we might have from God. Uh, The one that comes to mind is that God has promised his unchanging and unconditional love. Uh, There's a certain power that comes with love. The idea that God has our back, that he has our best interests at heart. This word love is such a powerful word. What are your thoughts about that type of expectation in in a relationship with God? Because given that you're talking, Wendy, you were saying you were sitting in the church pew and thinking of taking and ending your own life. Uh, The idea of unconditional love, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, look, I... uh, God loves us unconditionally. There is no doubt about that. We have to be open to that love, though. Uh, for me, I wasn't. I was more. I was more open to what other people thought of me, uh, other people's opinions, and not living up to their expectation of me. I had a title in the workplace, and that was important to me. So my expectation would be that I would be as good as that title, as good as that job. Um, it was only when those things were taken away that I realised the only sure thing, uh, the only sure thing that I had was the love of God in my life. But I needed to be open to that. And, and I love that prayer and I pray it often. I pray it often, Neil, Lord God, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I trust, I trust you. And that was for me. For me, my, my platform has been, you know, that it's Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, trust in the Lord, not yourself. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Uh, and for me, that was where I really understood the true love of the Lord. And, you know, that, that's easy for me to say when I'm on the end of this microphone. But when you're in that space where you don't have any other hope, <coughs> truly... When we turn our heart to God, I know that he meets us in that space. I know that he met me that day on my lounge room floor. If he hadn't have, I wouldn't be here. But I, it was when I turned my heart wholly over to him and trusted him, even though I didn't know how it was all going to turn out, that it started to get better. Of course, you wake up in the same situation, the same lockdown, the same loss of job the next day. But what God does is he plants some seeds of hope within our heart. And at those seeds of hope, as we keep our heart looking to God, that he's able to water them and he's able to build that relationship. And we start to feel that, okay, we can survive this. But it does start, and that's the love of the Lord, Neil. That's how I see it. Wonderful stuff. There's a scripture in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, in case listeners want to write something down there. Uh, Paul says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And, you know, reflecting on the words of the Apostle Paul, uh, who were under intense 
pressure. The apostles in the first century, it was not an easy thing uh, being an apostle to establish the church in the way that those apostles did. They were under pressure and they were able to rely on the presence and the power and the love of God. This idea of presence too, Wendy, I mean, you know, the, the, the special promise that Jesus made, surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, and the presence of God that is in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people have a difficulty feeling that presence, knowing that presence. What are your thoughts here for perhaps, you know, taking us back to your own circumstance? You had an encounter with God when you were at your lowest point that yeah. you recognized the presence of God was there and it was powerful. Yeah, look, and it, it was because uh, I think I recognized it because I had emptied myself out of everything else. There was nothing in me. I had nothing. I had, I was at the lowest point of hopelessness. And, you know, I love, uh, I love the scripture and I can't remember where it is in the moment where uh, the lady with the flow of blood reached out and touched the hem of Jesus. And I remember vividly that day that I, I just cried out to God and I said, I'm just, I reached my hand out literally to touch the hem of Jesus. If I can just touch the hem of your gown, I know I'll survive this moment. But I had to be open to, to feel that presence. We, we can be so, so much going on around us, so many distractions that we don't even make space for the presence of God to come in. He's with us always. He's always there. He's as close as our breath. And I love that. You know, so often I just think when I'm in circumstances, because circumstances come at us, life comes at us, and it's good and bad and ugly. But in that thinking, God, you're as close as my breath. And sometimes I'll just feel my pulse and know that that's how close God is when I'm in those spaces that are overwhelming. So that's making space for the presence of God. You know, even if sometimes in those early days, I'd just go and sit in the toilet away from people so I could just really pray and, and cry out to God because I was in a terrible situation. But, but in doing that, it allowed him to move in and I was looking for the presence of God. The expectations we might have of God, because sometimes we think that if we are changing to be like Christ, to be able to handle the crisis of our situations, uh, that somehow or other uh, we need to be reliant on the presence of God in our lives. Uh, we also recognize here that we're not immune from troubles, uh, that challenges are going to come. And oftentimes, the things that make us change to align ourselves with this identity we have in Christ are often happens at the the difficult times in our lives. Uh, we ought not to be, uh, we ought not to be, uh, in in some ways, thinking that we're immune from challenges and struggles and trials and troubles, uh, should we, Wendy? No, absolutely. That's a really great point, Neil, because challenges are not a one and done thing. We have one challenge, it's done, I've survived that, I'm good now. That's not how it works. There is, you know, life throws challenges at us. Bad things happen. That's reality. It's what it's what we do in those circumstances. And often, you know, we can tur turn those challenges if if we choose to make great choices and grow in our Lord in our Lord in those spaces and grow in ourselves. Uh, we can we can turn them into our great resilience. So each time these challenges come, because they will come. You know, this I've had so many in my life, and each time I think good I'm done now I'm going to be okay but for me this is what I believe is each time a challenge comes it's an opportunity for me to grow deeper 
and stronger in God, to get my foundations down stronger, but also to grow in myself. Like moving to Darwin was such a challenge. Overcoming that regret of have we made the right move. So another challenge, another opportunity to grow. It's always there. I know listeners have heard me say before, hope for the future is power in the present. The idea that... You know, the promises of God are that we will have a secure future. I mean, Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. John chapter 14, wonderful, wonderful promises uh, that say, you know, even from the Apostle Paul too, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. So this idea of eternal security is in itself power in the present so when we're in the crisis because we know God has our back because we know God is the one who's on the throne of heaven then he has given us some level of inner strength and resilience to be able to face whatever difficulties we might face Wendy oh absolutely and and, and then that goes back to that prayer that I you know so often pray and I encourage people to pray is knowing you know I don't know how this is going to turn out God but I trust you. I trust you, Jesus. So for me, it has been that walk of faith and trust because we have that promise that God will never leave us or forsake us. He's always there. You know, for me, my experience is, you know, when I, when I don't feel God's presence, it's because I've moved away. I need to come back to where did I, where did I last have my sense of peace in God, even though the world might be spinning crazily around me and find out where did I lose my peace. And often it's because I've been distracted or I've fallen down that that place of hopelessness. And sometimes we think holding on to hope doesn't make sense because how can we see uh, that anything is ever going to go right again? But when this happens, it's so important to know whose we are and who we are. Wendy, let's come back to some important questions we might ask ourselves if we're discussing great expectations today because we've been talking about great expectations of ourselves, our expectations of others, the way we perceive others' expectations of us. And importantly, and what I think we've discovered here is that if you have some recognition that there is expectations before God, uh, the expectations he has of us and that we might have of him, to be able to face the circumstances we're in. Let's come back to some of these questions that we might be asking, uh, perhaps around expectations of ourselves. Where do you think we ought to start to say, well, how do we get those expectations changed a little here? Okay, that's another great point. So start by looking at where you are today. Where do you sit today in this? Do you have expectations? Um, What are the challenges that you're facing? Uh, And start to to think about if I decided to take a step, and, and often setting an expectation takes a step of courage, just one little step of courage, right? Uh, to be able to set an expectation that things will be better. So thinking about maybe it is, if you're not in the Word, that you know I'm going to set even five minutes aside every day, I'm just going to sit with my Bible and I'm just going to sit and, and, and seek God on, on my next step. But setting some great expectations um, about uh, how do you encourage yourself in that expectation? What would that expectation look like? You know, this lady I was working with recently talked about just even getting her dishes done every day and cleaning a kitchen. A little thing, right? But a big thing for her. So we worked on setting an expectation that after every meal, she would get up and she would do the dishes, not leave them there for days. So setting an expectation that is achievable. One simple action step to move further towards a greater purpose. 
Wendy, is there any way you can measure your expectations and the expectations that others might have of you? Any sort of thoughts here? You know, is there a way that we can say, well, these are what the expectations are right now? You say, take stock of where you're at. How do you measure those? Well, start thinking about what's your life story so far. You know, that's a great way to measure it if you're taking stock. You know, what's working well for you right now? What, what, what's going okay? And what do you know isn't going okay? And out of that, you can start to think about, well, what do I need to do differently if I want to improve in the area, whether it's finances or family or communication? What are some of the steps? And then start to measure those little steps. Not what you can't do, but what you can do. Because often we, we put... Um, it's a great quote from a friend that says we should on ourselves we say we should do this and we should do that and and i don't like shooting on ourselves if that makes sense you have a wonderful turn of phrase at times i might (laughs) (laughs) better thinking about what what can i do what what can i do right now what's one step that i can do so maybe it's just simply sitting down today and and starting to journal starting to write down well where am i you know where do i want to be we don't know the outside world, the COVID situation. We don't know what's happening. But what can I do right now in our home? Where would I like to be in one month's time or one week's time? So start to make it into little bite-sized pieces, not unrealistic. But be really specific about one step that you can take. And when you take it and when you take that consistently, it will compound and then celebrate that you have because we can often just keep moving forward and forget how much we've achieved. But start to celebrate those little steps of win. And you can start to measure your expectations of that. So what's working for you? What's not? Where do you need to have some inner courage? That's where you're praying, God help me, strengthen me to do this. Enable me to take that next step that I need to take. Wendy, some will be saying, uh, none of this, Wendy, is within my control. Uh, The sorts of expectations that people have on me. I mean, it may be uh, your employer. Uh, It may be that you, you know, working in a small business that's really struggling right now because of COVID issues. Uh, But this idea of unrealistic expectations, this can come from uh, our parents on our lives. Uh, They've always been our worst critic. For some people, they're dealing with this even beyond the grave. They're haunted by the idea that their parents had such high expectations of them. They feel like they've always fallen short. How do you handle unrealistic expectations that others have on you? Mm -hmm. Well, there's a couple of things. And number one is, you know, when they come at us, we need to think about our attitude in that moment. How do we respond and not react uh, with that unrealistic? run realistic expectation and then go back and think about well what's the truth remember other people's opinions are a dime a dozen sometimes other people's expectations are a dime a dozen people are good at telling us what we should remember the shooting on us do so coming back to what's what's the truth of what they're asking me to do if it's in a workplace and you can't control those expectations but what you can control is your attitude and your choices around those expectations. If it's in the workplace and someone's given you some instructions, be really specific and ask for clarity around that so you're very clear about what that expectation looks like. So we get to choose our attitude in that. We get to choose how we handle that instead of throwing our arms up in the air and saying, 
not going to do it or whatever the reason. But knowing the truth of what that expectation is, whether it's in the workplace. From our parents, that's one about, you know, forgiving them and being able to let let it go. You know, quite often I talk about the BS, the bogus stories uh, that people tell us we should be or, 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 you know, what we should be doing, that shooting on us again, um, and start to think about what's the truth in that, what's reality in that. So knowing our reality, knowing our truth is really, really important. And it can start with just one little thing. Wonderful. You like a principle called good, better, best. How do we apply those into the expectations? Let's come back to uh, the expectations on ourselves for a moment here because uh, perhaps uh, speaking to those who have lower expectations than, than we might anticipate. What are your thoughts here for this principle, good, better, best? Oh, and I love this. I use this all the time for myself as well. You know, we might think something's a good thing. You know, this is good for me. I often think, is it is it good or is it God? Um, but, you know, we need to check that. So something may be good, but then what could be uh, better? What, what, what would make it better? So this is good, but what will make it better? And then, you know, the next level is best. So sometimes from good to better is 1%, like a 1%, 1% change or 1% tweak in what we're doing. 1% in our action will take us, you know, exponential growth when we take that next step. So, we, you know, good is, is, is good, but better is better. Like, that's the only way I can say it. And, and, and often I will ask people to make me better, you know, give me feedback. What would make me better? You know, I was in such a place for such a very long time in my life that I want to continually learn and I want to continually grow. And, you know, your listeners don't know, you know, little education to get where I am now. It's always been, how do I get better? How do I make it better? And I don't always get it right, but we can take what's one action step we can take today and knowing whose we are in God, who we are and whose we are. Who we are, we're children of God and whose we are. Wonderful stuff with a foundation. And this is sometimes confusing when you're in the middle of a crisis. Get the foundation right. Uh, Find out the expectations of God that he expects of us in circumstances even when times are hard and then encouraging ourselves with a knowing that we can have expectations of God knowing that he expects us to love him with all our heart with all our soul with all our strength with all our mind uh, to love others as ourselves you know talking about the golden rule and uh, those sorts of things uh, they're on the tip of our tongue sometimes we don't think of those as God's expectations for us but they are And so back to these self-expectations, Wendy, and to come back to something you picked up early in our conversation when you said, don't be afraid of failing forward. (laughs) Now, we'll probably end up just making this, you know, perhaps the end of our conversation, but not being afraid to fail forward and increasing those expectations that you might have when you're in a difficult crisis situation. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, look, I I set high expectations of myself because I I know that I need to do that to achieve. So often I fail, but I I much prefer to fail forward. Fail forward, I've I've fallen over in that, but I'm going to get up. I will have achieved something, even if it wasn't the highest expectation I had of myself. I will have at least had something to work towards. So failing forward, failing backwards is it becomes hopeless. You know, I'm never any good. I'm never going to get it right. That's failing backwards. Failing forward is saying, look, 
yeah, I, I had a good go, but I'm going to get up and, and take what worked out of it and what didn't, and I'm going to have another go. So failing forward is always saying, I am going to get back up every time I'm knocked down and I'm going to have another go. So failing forward, not failing backwards, not giving up. Wendy, we have run out of time. <laughs> really already. <laughs> you have an incredible story to tell. And uh, I'll point listeners to get a hold of your book called Remarkable You. And it tells your own story uh, through facing dreadful crises. You had the worst start in, in that sense of uh, your life, your life as a girl and as a young woman. A, a dreadful start. And listeners will get a hold of the book to read that story. But Remarkable You is the name of Wendy's book these days. Wendy is a consultant and coach and executive director on the John Maxwell team, having joined the John Maxwell University. And uh, there is a consultancy that's all a part of what you do too, Wendy. There's, there's lots of dimensions to you. But to point people to your website, remarkableyou.com.au. And uh, there'll be a link there for uh, people who might be interested in uh, knowing what you do by way of a consultant and as a coach. But remarkableyou.com.au. Wendy Burns, always love your insights, always just appreciate your practical uh, way that you approach all sorts of issues. And at a time like this, when people are going through, and uh, you know, some will be saying, what crisis? Others will be going, this is the worst time of my life under some yeah. of the circumstances I'm under. So, uh, Wendy, Brand, uh, Wendy Burns, thank you so much uh, for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with listeners today on 2020. Uh, thank you, Neil. It's always such a pleasure to be on with you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.